Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about PicDrop, an image transfer tool I've been using every day for the past three years. Personally, I was sick of using old platforms like Dropbox and WeTransfer and wanted something that was more catered towards photographers. And with PicDrop, it was actually founded by a working photographer, so they understand what photographers need and are continually offering new tools to better organize and help deliver images to clients. With PicDrop, I can easily organize all my photos in one spot, make custom folders for each job, and also send video files. One of my favorite features on PicDrop is that clients can make selections and leave notes on the photos, so really this kind of streamlines my workflow when working with clients. PicDrop is a product I use every day and can personally recommend to anyone looking for a better image transfer tool. And with today's episode, all you have to do is use the promo code BANTER when you sign up and you'll receive two free months of PickDrop. So go over to PickDrop.com, enter the promo code BANTER, and when you sign up, you'll get two months free. So thanks so much, and let me know what you guys think. Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with Mexican documentary photographer Greta Rico. Greta was kind enough to invite me into her home in Mexico City while I was visiting to interview her about her journey with photography. Greta's work focuses on gender and human rights issues, and her work has been published by the New York Times, Washington Post, and The Guardian, to name a few. Her project, titled Substitute Mother, was one of the 2023 Leica Women Photo Project awardees, and her work has been exhibited in galleries around the world. It was a pleasure to speak with Greta, as her work is both beautiful, but also extremely important and impactful to creating change in the world. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And thanks so much for listening. All right. And now welcome on uh, Greta Rico. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, Greta, and for inviting me into your home. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. I'm super happy to have you here. <laughs> We're in Mexico City where they're having the grand opening of the Leica store. And are they having a gallery there too in the, the new store? Yes. Yeah. It will be beautiful. And you're going to be doing a panel discussion there on Saturday, Sunday, right? Sunday, yes. Perfect. Well, uh, really excited to talk to you. Um, I was look look at your work. You do really amazing and powerful stories and important stories. Um, so I guess to start off, um, how do you kind of first get into photography? Mm, that is always an interesting question because, to be honest, I think I was always into photography. I got my first camera when I was eight. It was a a film camera that my mom gave me and my youngest uh, brother, well, I'm actually eight years older than him. So I remember that I used to chase him all over the place, all over our house, like documenting how he actually learns how to walk and how to eat. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, since then I've been always with a camera with me, it, but it's actually interesting that I didn't study like photography or journalism. Mm-hmm. I um, Once I ended university, I studied as a journalist, but I used to write stories, not necessarily like take photographs. Mm-hmm. But then like seven or eight years ago, I decided that I wanted to go like super deep in photography. And I also decided that I wanted to be a documentary photographer. What, what did you study in university when you were in school? Uh, foreign affairs. What is it? Foreign affairs, like foreign policy. Oh, okay. Interesting. What, like when you were going to school, what did you think you were going to do? <laughs> well, 
Well, it was actually not that different from what I'm doing right now because I used to dream about working with NGOs all about all around the world and also working with the social issues. So, yeah. And yeah, because looking at your work, that's an interesting thing, like diving deep into your work and looking at all the projects you do. It's, it just reminds me that photography is such a tool to like tell stories and hopefully create change. Is, is that kind of always been kind of how you approach photography? Cause like, that's how, when I look at your work, it's, uh, be it the, um, all the stories you tell, it's like, it's, it's a tool to express and hopefully make change in the world. Right. Yeah. I think that this has been my purpose since the beginning. One of my first documentary projects, which is called urban midwives is it was about telling the people in Mexico City because it's not like in the States. For example, here in Mexico City, we have like almost 20 million people living here in the city. And there is only one midwifery house and only 10 midwives providing attention to women. So my intention with that project was to tell women that they have the right to get attention from a midwife, but also and especially to educate them about their about women's rights and also about the rights that they had in the hospitals in order to avoid obstetric violence, for example. So I always think of my projects as also a tool to educate and to make people learn something that they didn't knew, but especially to know their rights and to empower those, themselves in order to t take decisions or try to help change another reality or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's important, important work. And I'm definitely going to ask you some more questions about the urban midwife stuff. But I guess before you kind of, like you said, you were working as a journalist, just writing, what kind of stuff were you covering? Were you like working for a newspaper? Or like, what did that look like? Uh, I used to work for magazines and I used to work as a cultural journalist. So I used to cover, for examples, like um, theater and also cinema. I used to go to a lot of uh, festivals, like uh, movie festivals. Uh, yeah, theater festivals, concerts as well. So it was culture in general. Yeah. And how did you, while you're doing that, were you still taking pictures on your own, like in your free time or, or how did that, how did you kind of make the transition to like, Hey, I'm going to do this full time now? Yeah. I was doing pictures by myself. Like I, I, I used, I remember that I used to have a group. It was like an Instagram kind of community yeah. where we used to gather during weekends to like do like photo walks or just like go somewhere to take pictures and I used to do it like for a hobby but then I used to uh, deliver my stories with my pictures as well okay so that's when I decided that I really want to get into photography I really want to learn more about this but I also realized that I wanted to tell stories in a different way than just writing you know mm -hmm. And was photography something that you just kind of self-taught or did you end up taking like any courses or uh, learn from anybody else or anything like that? Or Yeah, at the beginning it was self-taught, but then I started taking workshops, seminars, um, and I also applied for a lot of photojournalism workshops, like for, exam for example, the Foundry Photojournalism Workshop or the Eddie Adams. So I also had like very good opportunities of continue educating myself in photography and photojournalism, but also as a storyteller. And still now, uh, for example, I'm right now taking a seminar about art philosophy. 
So I'm all, all, always like looking for places to educate myself more and learn more about what I'm doing and also understand like very differently the topics that I'm working on. So you feel you still feel like you're learning as a photographer at this point? All the time. Yeah. Especially from the people that I'm working with. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know if you have this feeling, even myself, it, even when I look at back at my work from three years ago, I'm just like, I'm like, why did I do it like that? Or like, do, do you feel like that? Do you kind of see the growth in like your work over time? Yeah, definitely. And not necessarily like in the pictures, but yes, I mean, also in the pictures. But I think the way that I look at it and when I realize that I've learned a lot is, for example, in my um, project statement or maybe also in the philosophy that I have about the work. Mm. Because with the time, you get to learn a lot. You get to uh, not only by like reading or researching, but also by interviewing people, sharing with people. So you get to the point where your mindset is completely changed about anything. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love the most. Well, you mentioned like philosophy of the work. Like what? what's your philosophy with your work now and your approach? Like, Well, this is very interesting because, well, nowadays my philosophy is especially to be very honest with people. It happens a lot that whenever you reach someone for the first time, especially here in Mexico, also because of the high rates of violence that we have in the country, that people do not trust you like for the first time. Yeah. You know, they're like, mm, a lot of journalists come and they say that they, they, they will come back and they never come back and they never publish the story and they never did this, this and that, you know, and yeah. they promised to bring me a picture and they... <laughs> so it's always very challenging to gain the trust of people. But one of my policies is that, that I need to be super honest in terms of Yes, I will be publishing a story, but I do not know when yet. Sometimes I do not know where, in which like magazine or newspaper or whatever. And also, I also like to be very honest with them that maybe this will be a work that will take me years mm -hmm. to finish. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that will be one of the most important things. <laughs> So I guess I guess it's not much different than America. Like people are very skeptical of the media, and I think it's like changed even more. So it's a, it's kind of similar kind of vibe down here. Exactly. How, and how do you? Because some of the stories you're telling are very intimate, and like the 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 first part you mentioned, urban midwives, where you're documenting people giving birth in their homes. Like, how do you even find those subjects? What what's the conversation to? To have them allow you into their home and in the most intimate like experience in their life, like giving birth, like uh, how do you approach subjects to tell these type of like intimate stories? Well, in that specific project, I I actually started the relationship with those women weeks or even months before they were giving birth. So, for example, if they went to the midwifery house once or twice a month, I was always there. I needed to have them aware that I was super engaged with them, with the project, with the midwives, with their process. But also, I used to talk to them a lot. Um, I used to interest myself a lot in their story, in their reality, in their reasons, for example, to find a midwifery house in a city like Mexico City. But I, w I was also super interested in hearing their stories of obstetric violence in hospitals and with doctors. 
So I guess that whenever they realized that I was for real, that I was like super engaged in everything that was happening, it was super beautiful also to be in their birds because we were like a big family, you know, sometimes because they were like very aware of what I was doing. I have a lot of anecdotes of them in the middle of their bird. Like, you have to come here and take this picture, you know, this picture. I haven't seen this picture, so you have to come here and take this one or maybe... Please make space because I will get that to be like in the first. I want a better angle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they were also very engaged with the with the project. And they were also, one of the things that I also realized is that I wanted to work with a feminist philosophy where their voice was super important. And I was also asking them all of the time, what do you also want to tell? What do you want people to see in this story? What do what what do you want people to know about the work of the midwives that are helping you having your baby? You know, because how did you how did this how did you kind of discover this story? Like, what made you want to tell this story? And because reading on the website, I learned I didn't know this that like you said, there's only one midwife housery in in the state and. In hospitals, they're giving like an enormous amount of like C-sections when they don't really need to be doing that. Um, But yeah, how did the, how did you decide to tell this story? And what was your kind of goal with the project? Well, the goal at the, in the very last months, and I I would say maybe in the last two years of the project was to educate women. Because one of the things that people do not necessarily know is that women get pregnant but we never hear anything about being pregnant. Mm-hmm. You do not know if this is like normal, if this is okay, or if you need to worry about something happening in you, in your body, in your baby. So there is a lot of this misinformation in the whole, the pregnancy and a lot more in giving birth. Also because the Mexican society is very um, like, I don't know how to say it, like they are not very open about talking about the female body and also sexuality. Yeah. So like super basic things that you should be knowing because you're a woman who are, might be pregnant at some point of your life. You do not know anything. It's health. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why the purpose of the project was to educate women about normal processes in their body, you know? And in doing this project, did you learn anything yourself? And like um, how's the kind of reception... Um, from people in Mexico, you think, from the photos? Yeah, actually, it was also super interesting because that project created a lot of controversy, like socially. But I was also super happy that it opened a lot of debate, like publicly, mm-hmm. about things that we all should know. But especially, one of the things that I always talk about when talking about urban midwives is that having like super high rates of violence in my country and also being exposed of so many violence and so many blood in the media daily. People are afraid of watching a a woman woman giving birth, which is like super normal. People is afraid of looking at the blood of giving birth. Yeah. You know, so it was like anthropologically, it was also like a super interesting experiment to watch the reaction of people, the reaction of journalists, and also the reaction of like society in general while looking at the pictures. Because, for example, once we took the exhibition to a metro station, so there was like thousands of people looking at the pictures every day. Wow. 
And it was super interesting to look at what they were like, their faces, you know. And also it was interesting because the more interested in the pictures were women. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, after taking the photos, like what did the subjects, what did they think about the photos after the fact? Getting to look at them, did he talk to them at all? Yeah, actually they loved the project. And every time that I had an opening, at least here in Mexico City, they were invited not only to be present at the event, but also uh, with the project, we also managed to have like a lot of activities every time that we um that we had an exhibition, we used to uh, organize like workshops, conferences, panel talks, and we always invited them to share their story with the audience. That's amazing. And I guess to go back, like when you first started taking photography really seriously, um, were there any early influences on your work, either photographers that you knew or, or maybe this photographer's work that you looked up to or anything like that? Yeah, sure. And actually, one of my favorite photographers and a woman that I deeply admire very, very much is actually a photographer from the States, Nina Berman. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, Nina's amazing. Really? Yeah. Well, I love her work, but also one of the things that I admire the most about Nina is her philosophy on how to do photography and why should we keep on doing photography, you know? Mm-hmm. And have you always, because being a photojournalist, you gotta have guts, like the <laughs> like like this. I could not do the stories you tell because they're, like I said, they're very intimate and they're uh, very serious stories. Have have you always just had that courage to approach people? Is this something you you get better at and have more confidence over time, or like uh, how do you kind of approach that aspect of it? Well, actually, it's super interesting hearing you say that because. I actually consider myself very lucky because as a freelancer, I actually get the chance to choose what do I want to work in? What will be my next project? So I think I just feel lucky, but also very passionate about the, the, the projects that I've chosen. For example, right now I'm working on a project about native maize, native maize seeds here in Mexico. Uh, because Mexico is the center of origin of maize. We domesticated the plant. So we have more than 59 different types of maize, which is also the basis of our food. So when I realized that I wanted to tell this story, that I wanted to talk about peace and work, peace and families, peace and technologies in order to, to care about the seeds that are providing us food, I actually feel like super lucky that I got that these families opened the door of their houses and made me like some like another member of their family in order to tell this story, you know? Yeah, I've been looking at that work. You've been posting it um, recently, like on your Instagram. Um, how long have you been working on that project? And I think it's part of, I believe it's called the Bertha, uh, was it the foundation? It, that was called? Yeah, uh, this is a project that I've been working for almost two years. But with the support of the Bertha Foundation, I've been working it during 2023, like this whole year. And this project is part of the Bertha Challenge Center on Food. So there we are like 17 fellows all around the world working about food, food and politics. And those are um, putting the reflector over how corporations all around the world, also in the States, there is a fellow in the States, are actually gaining profit mm-hmm. from hunger. You know, for example. Yeah. 
Yeah, because what's the goal? The goal with that project? Because I think it's uh, I read with the birthday that they want to educate people on nutrition and um, this kind of how, how how the food's made and kind of more like the history of it, right? Exactly, and also something very similar is happening with the maze project right now because I actually um, I organized an exhibition on the first of October, and it was also a very educational exhibition, you know, because people here in Mexico City, it is such a big city that even though they are Mexican, even though they eat tortillas all the time, tacos and all the Mexican food that you all know, they do not know about the threats of uh, native maize here in Mexico that is, for example, transgenic corn. They do not know about big companies trying to make a profit of. Yeah, because that's a term, uh, transgenic corn, and for many people aren't familiar with that term, what does that mean? Like uh, genetically modified seeds who are actually, in the case of Mexico, threatening our biodiversity because, as I said, we are the center of origin of this this ancestral food. And also, it was very interesting to realize that the people in the city didn't know how tortillas were made, you know, and how these ancestral uh, technologies of repairing the food were also very important for nutrition. And was this like a topic you had an interest in prior to working on this project? Like, how did you kind of decide to focus in on this for the last two years? Well, it is actually very interesting because I think one of the things that made me decide about working on this project is that I grew up in the city. I was born here. I've lived here all my life. And I realized that I didn't know anything about food. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about what we were eating. I didn't know anything about the countryside like seriously this is the first time in my life that i've seen like plants growing trees growing like apples grow i was like oh my god i was amazed all the time and it's also interesting because the families have have told me that like you know we've seen your face like being amazed with nature and you can actually feel that in the pictures that you're taking yeah and what do you feel like you've learned in, in working on this project? I think one of the most important things that I've learned is it's about hope. It's about hope working with these families who actually have everything against them. Not only capitalism, but the economic system, the public policies that the government is actually passing. And even though they are fighting against everything, they do believe in hope. They do believe in the right of people to be eating healthy food. And also they believe that all of the people in the world have the right to be having like local products, organic products, you know, and it's not necessarily something about being rich and being able to buy organic food, but they truly believe that all of us should be able to access those products. So definitely hope is the thing that I've learned the most about them and about the practices that they have. And that's I was going to ask you that about your work because it's a very serious topic. So about either it could be women's rights or this project you're working on. Are you still hopeful yourself in change? Because uh, you could you could read it as like this is terrible things. Obviously, it's terrible things happening to people. But are you still hopeful yourself for change in the future? Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, I, 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 I mean, like, it could be like, I, like I said, I, I can't imagine covering these units. It's got to be, um, 
does it weigh on you sometimes? Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it is depressing. Yeah, and sometimes it is frustrating, and sometimes I get angry. But again, I think going back in the countryside every time, every month, every once, twice in a month, three times a month brings me back with a lot of hope, but especially motivates me a lot of being working like super hard on this project and finding other opportunities to maybe another exhibition, maybe publication, maybe uh, something else in the media, you know, like motivates me a lot to try to find like some other ways to amplify the project because I'm pretty convinced that this will also help amplify their voices, their goals, but especially this message of hope that they've been trying to spread with the story. That's amazing. And with that project, is it just one area in Mexico that you're photographing? Is it just one farm or have you be going to different places or where have you kind of been concentrating the photos you've been taking? Well, I've been working and that's also, especially for the people who live in Mexico City, it was, they were very amazed about knowing that there is country in the city <laughs> and that people will actually planting food. I was amazed too because there's some pictures where you see the farm and in the back you're like, oh yeah, there's the city over there. <laughs> it's like, it's out there. but Yeah, it's super close from here, but it's mostly in the south of the city. And I've been working four different mayorships, which are Tlalpan, Xochimilco, Milpalta, and Tlahuac. And those are the places in the city where mostly farmers work and plant everything that they grow in order to sell their products. And uh, when you're photographing like a project like that, um, are you someone, do you shoot a lot? Are you taking a ton of pictures when you go out there? Or are you just kind of like just going out there waiting for moments to happen? Or like what's your approach to this actually taking pictures when you're working on a long-term project like that? Mm, that's also very interesting. I don't think I consider myself a person that shoots a lot. But I think with this project, I did shoot a lot, like a lot. But also I think it has to do with how amazed I was of looking at everything I wanted to capture, like each flower, each bug, each plant, you know? And also I was super amazed about looking at the different seeds that all the families were preserving for generations. But a very interesting thing about my work and how I like to work is that, for example, in the first visits, I almost never took out my camera yeah. because I'm very, very interesting in let them know what I'm doing. Again, being honest with them, like putting them like the big picture of what I, what I would like to do, but also hear them about what would they like to do with the project. But I, re I got to the point in my career that I realized that people need to also know me before starting trusting me. Yeah. So sometimes, for example, in this project, sometimes I visited the families two or three times without taking out my camera before I start shooting, you know? It's smart. It shows that you're genuine and you care about it. Because as a photographer, you're, a lot of times you're taking something, like a little bit. You get that feeling sometimes, like, but yeah, I think it is a smart approach to show people like, hey, I'm not just trying to fly in here, take a couple cool pictures. You're invested and you... Uh, want to tell their story, right? Yeah, and I and I also try to because I really like it, yeah. and I really appreciate them giving me that time. I also love spending time with them because mo most of the times, whenever we end 
like harvesting or planting or whatever, we usually go for lunch. So we were just like chatting and making jokes and making fun of each other. They make fun of me like, hey, she she'd never seen like anything like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. But yes, this is my first time. And I also love like, for example, some of the times they cook something for me and my friends or sometimes I cook for something for them. You know, like it's a very beautiful relationship that we've been um like caring for this past months and I really, really appreciate them like making me part of it, but also I really appreciate them like loving what I'm doing as much as I love doing it with them, you know? I think that's the amazing thing about photography is that I think a lot of people they get it started for starting out, they think they need to like travel all over the world to take a bit, but it's like, no, like you lived here like you grew up basically your whole life yeah. in Mexico City. And same thing back home where I live in Massachusetts. There's so many stories just like on one block and it's just finding those stories. And it's like, really, I'm sure you've gotten to learn so much about the city you've lived in your whole life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so far, not all of them, but most of my, doc of my documentary projects are based here in Mexico City. And that's exactly the reason why. Because I truly believe that I do not do not need to go all around the world or to Africa or to Asia to tell a story because the stories are here. Yeah. And because I'm Mexican and because I was born in the city, I'm the one yeah. that actually understands better the context that I will be working in. Of course. In. It's, it's, you, you live this life. Yeah. And, it, it, <laughs> um, and you know, uh, one project um, I was interested in talking about, um, very heavy project, um, it was about uh, I think it was your cousin who had passed away, and the project is basically about um, your other cousin who had to, um, when she passed away, who believed she was murdered, and she it was she took it upon herself to take care of her three year old uh, niece. Um, maybe you could describe that project, where your goal was with the project, and this kind of how you. Yeah. Sure. Well, this is a very personal, intimate, and it's a family project that is called uh, Substitute Mother that I started six years ago when one of my cousins was murdered. Who was She was a victim of feminicide in the state of Mexico. And um, this is actually the project that got me the Lake Women Photo Project Award at the beginning of this year, and I'm super grateful with Laika for supporting me and for allowing me to continue telling the story. And just so you and your audience can get an idea, 10 women are murdered daily in Mexico City because of the, in Mexico in general, in the country, because of gender violence. It was a term, the term femicide. Feminicide. Feminicide. I had not heard that term. So if you could explain it, like what it means. It means that a woman is murdered for being a woman. Yeah. You know, for, for example, because, well, there's actually no reason but sometimes your boyfriend gets jealous and he thinks that he has the right to just take your life or maybe your husband or maybe your brother or maybe your neighbor. It is not all the time, but sometimes someone very close to you. And also, according to the penal code, because it's already typified in our Mexican penal code, there are a lot of uh, different situations that are like considered in order to catalog a murder as a feminicide. And in the case of my cousin, it was. So whenever that happened, she was a mother. 
of Nicole, who at the moment had only three years old, as you said. Now Nicole is nine. And I actually started the project on the day of the funeral uh, when my cousin told me that she was going to take care of her, that she was going to actually become her mother. So I started following them. I started spending a lot of time with them uh, until we, we actually talked a lot. I actually asked my cousin a lot, what do you want to tell to tell about the story? What do you want people to know about this problem? What do you want like the Mexican authorities and government to realize about the help that the families in this situation need? So we've been working on this project together. We've been like planning and thinking about the messages that we want to amplify with the pictures together in order to also create awareness about all the difficulties that these women have in order to take care of these children. Because some most of the time, them and their children as well have been suffering a lot of trauma. So it is not easy to take care of little kids in general, but you can tell that it's more difficult if it's a young kid with trauma, you know? And your cousin, I believe her name, if I'm passing it wrong, I apologize, Mara. Yes. At that time, did she have kids of her own or no? No, she was a single woman. Yeah. She actually didn't want to have kids like ever. And because of what happened, she decided that she was going to become a mom. And what's that conversation like uh, with your cousin to photograph? Like you said, you started on the day of the funeral. Was she this understood right away that this story was important? And what did the rest of your family think? Were there any people that were like against you photographing and telling this story? Or like, what was that conversation like? Telling such an intimate story. It is actually very interesting, Alex, because a lot of people ask me this about the project, and I need to be like super honest, yeah. if not brutally honest. But the family didn't have to say anything because they actually left my cousin alone. Yeah. It happens a lot in Mexico that because of the violence that we are facing from a few decades now, people in the family mostly, most of the time, think that what happened to the women in their family best was because of some reason, you know? So they started like, like creating like, I don't know, like fiction stories about yeah. why this happened. They never think that these women are just victims and that's it. So they left my cousin along with the, with the situation and we were, we're just taking decisions by ourselves, you know, and especially her, one of the things that I always talk with her about the project is that at the end of the day, she's the one taking care of Nicole. She's the one like facing all the problems that came with this decision. So she's the only one to choose yeah. about the project, about her, about us, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it blew my mind. You had the Instagram post and you mentioned like, people would make comments you said that would be like, yeah, that's like her job. Like she should take, which like is crazy. Like, like that was like a real people would really say that to you. Yeah. Like they they were like, Oh, that's just that's what they should do. Like it's just like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, because she's a woman, because that answer will never happen if she was a man. You know? That's not like something I mean, a man doesn't it's not like they assume that you're going to take care of the kids or you're going to take care of the house, you know, like all these gender roles that are um designated to women. At least people here in Mexico and the Mexican society truly believe that, well, she's just doing what she needed to do, you know? Right, right. 
And how is that obviously such a serious and intense project and it's it's your life. It's not just it's your family and putting that out there to the world to see these photos. Is that tough putting that work out there? Uh, what are you hoping people will take from it? Like, because it's very personal work to put out there for people from around the world to see it. Yeah, I think, well, to be honest, at the beginning, it was super hard for me to take the party out. It was super hard, actually, for the three of us. <laughs> and to be honest, we were also very scared about what people was going to say, what people was going to think, but not necessarily in terms of judging us, but we were super worried about people not realizing how big the problem was, mm -hmm. you know? Again, like having this answers like the one I just share with you. Yeah. So I think we've been also very lucky and I think that we've worked so hard on the project that thankfully uh, we've already won some prizes, some photography grants, some photography contests. And this has only helped the project to amplify the message, but also the grants have um, gave it, gave gave us the opportunity, for example, to take therapy. Because, and this is something that we do not normally talk about when we are photojournalists or when we are photographers, that the stories that we work on sometimes do affect us as human beings, not only the photographer, but maybe also the family. So thanks to the grants, we've been able to pay for therapy for the three of us, mm -hmm. you know, because it was also hard for me to like photographing like the brutal reality that my family was facing because of this situation. And also we've been talking about a lot about we have like a we we've been we're already working on because we were talking about how do we want to. What do we want to be the next step for the project? Mm. And one of the things that we realized just a few months ago is that we wanted to make like an educational tour. Yes, with the with the Mexican society, but especially with decision makers. We want to, for example, organize exhibitions in the parliament or in the deputy chamber because we want to show them what's going on because we need to approve a law in order to protect these children and in order to protect the women who are taking care of these children, you know, uh, because they're just doing what they can with whatever they have and it is not necessarily in the best of conditions. So is this project, like photographing your cousin, is it ongoing? Is it something you're still shooting that you're just going to continue for your life or is it something you're not actually shooting now or... Yes, actually, we are still uh, producing. And one of the things that I always say is that I will end when they just get tired of me. <laughs> so my plan is just to continue for as long as, as they let me. <laughs> that's, that's good. It's important. To, yeah, the important, very important work. And uh, you kind of mentioned, like, I looking at your website, I noticed you're very active in, like, uh, it looks like applying for grants and contests. And is that something you, throughout your career you've always just kind of looked and find ways to get your work out there? And like if you have any advice for photographers who are trying to do that themselves? Yes, I think it's a lot of work to be applying for grants. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you actually need to like, like 
make choices about where do you want to put your effort. But in my particular case, I think that I will, yes, encourage people to apply for grants because that will give you the opportunity to produce with more liberty mm -hmm. and also to take the time to dedicate yourself fully yeah. to a story, but also it will give you like the budget and the money to actually choose on what do you want to work and what do you not want to do, you know? That that will also give you some liberty of maybe reject an assignment. Yeah. Which sometimes it's good. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> not all the time when you're a freelancer, but sometimes you're like, well, you know what? This is not like a good pay. This is not like a like a project that I would like to be related to or whatever. So I'm I mean, I'm very fortunate that I do not desperately need the money right now. It's not that I'm rich. Yeah. I'm only rich with my last name, but not like <laughs> in real in real life. So maybe I can reject this assignment for this time. Or let's see. And uh, yeah, because looking at your Instagram, you do do like assignment work for like New York Times, like Washington Post. Um, do you enjoy doing assignment work? Obviously, the personal work with your family is like your personal work. But like when you get an assignment, um, do you enjoy that work? The different is it a different challenge or a different approach when you get a call to like, hey, we want you to go do a portrait of this person or whatnot? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, especially because I'm mostly working on personal projects. So whenever I'm asked for an assignment from any media. Well, first of all, I feel like super honored and lucky, but yes, it's a big challenge because I'm not necessarily like this kind of photojournalist who is like working and breaking news all the time, looking for the story every day. So, but it is also because of that, that I love doing assignments because it takes me out of my comfort zone, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, it makes you a stronger photographer. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned, uh, you, you, I think you attended the Eddie Adams workshop, right? Yes. Uh, was it 2019, I think you went? Yes. How, how was that experience? I've I never been, but I always just hear stories about it. It's like, a, I believe, like a three or four day weekend thing. I think it happened well, in October usually. Um, how was your experience getting to go to that? Well, actually, to be honest, it was great. Yeah. I just loved it. But I think it was, I mean, I know a lot of people who actually love to go into Eddie Adams, but in my particular case, I think I was super lucky to like get reunited with a lot of friends that I had like all over the world and we were lucky to be chosen on the same year. So I was like super excited about talking to them again and meeting with them again. And I also made a lot of like great friends. Actually, what some of the people that had helped me the most in my career were people that I met at the Adams, mm -hmm. like other colleagues, uh, photographers from other countries. And I'm like super uh, aware that if I if I wasn't in the Eddie Adams, I was I, I was not going to be able to meet them in person to gain their friendship, their trust. So yeah, I really loved it. And how's like the photographic kind of art community in Mexico City? Do you have like like photo photographer friends here? You guys kind of um, go back and forth, may share work, or like what's the community like here in terms of photography? Yes, actually, well, it's a big city. Yeah. So there is a lot of photographers in the city. And there's also like different scenes, you know, there's like a, the photojournalist and also like the contemporary photographers and the art photographers and the visual artists, you know, like there's like a lot of different, I, I like to call them tribes, 
you know? <laughs> but in my particular case, I think that being a documentary photographer is like the best part of all of it because I can, I love talking to all of them. You know, like depending on what are you working on, you can like ask for an advice. To be honest, my mentors do not live in Mexico City, so I mostly work with them on Zoom, for example, or sometimes I travel to the city they live in here in Mexico. Um, but one of my philosophies, and I think that uh, also being a member of different photography collectives have um, like pushed the, the, the community in Mexico City to be to create like, a, I don't know, like a group of people who like to share everything they know. Like, for example, contacts of editors, galleries, like, hey, you know what? I'm looking for this or that. Do you happen to know someone who can help me? Yes, of course. Yeah. Or can you actually take a look at my statement? Yes, please send it to me. Or can you look at my portfolio? So I think that we've created like a very beautiful community. Again, it's a big community, and I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of photographers out there that I do not know, yeah. and they do not know me. Yeah. But we try to be like very gentle with each other, and also very generous. That's good. It's important because, this, as you know, this this career path and doing it is is not easy. So, like at least for me, community is everything. I can meet people like you and everything. Um, but I guess like, what's next for you? Um, what are you excited about with your photography? Anything you're hoping to work on in the future? Well, actually, yes. Now, well, this time of the year is harvesting time in Mexico City. <laughs> so what's next? I will be in the field like full time for the next two or three weeks okay. working with the families. And actually, I'm very, very lucky because I just got noticed that I run a fellowship that the Mexican government um gives to artists and it's a three-year fellowship that will allow me to continue working on my documentary projects wow that's amazing yeah so i'm like super happy and it was like a dream come true and i'm just looking forward studying next year like planning all the things that i want to do and all the pictures that i want to take and and the new projects that i want to start producing with this support I like it. I'm I'm, I'm inspired. You know, it's, <laughs> you got project after project. It's got me inspired. I got to keep on building. But Greta, um, really appreciate you taking the time and again for inviting me to your home here in Mexico City. And uh, thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure having you here. So there you have it. That was the Greta Rico interview. I just want to thank Greta so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with her about her journey with photography, all the different projects she's working on, and how she approach, approaches her work. Um, I definitely learned a lot and left inspired, um, so can't thank her enough. Um, definitely go to Greta's website at GretaRico.com, and you can follow her on Instagram at GretaRico. I'll put all the links in the description of this episode, um, so you can definitely go check that out. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with today's episode, um, with the promo code BANTER, you'll get two months free of the PickDrop image transfer tool. All you got to do is go over to PickDrop.com, Enter the promo code BANTER and you'll get two months free. So definitely go give it a try and let me know what you guys think. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.